The following program is paid for by Doug Bassler, Marty McClendon, and EasyTVSpots.com. Round one, go. You know, I don't love them, but I guess they're just a fact of life. Okay, tell me. I'm bills, bills. Bills. You know, they just, no no matter how many times you pay them, they just keep coming, brother. (laughs) You know, it's amazing, especially when you're being taxed. You know, that is true. And the tax bill cometh. If you've spent money and on credit, you get bills going as well. But yeah. Well, you know, I'm just talking about the normal stuff, dude. Like, Paying for this radio show and doing right. the uh, doing the light bill and the, the tech. Have you, you know. seen the price of gasoline nowadays, <clears throat> brother? I drive a Ram with a Hemi in it. <laughs> I I just my it coughs when it goes by the gas station. This is Doug Marty, by the way, and I am Marty McClendon, and uh, that is Doug Bastler. But Doug, with your Ram truck. Uh, yes. my daughter drives a little Jeep, which I love. The little Jeep Wrangler, it's cute and so forth. But literally, it seems like every three days, hey, Dad, I need more gas. I'm like, well, get a job. Like, crying out loud. <laughs> Why don't you bring a ling a ling? Go get a job, my lovely little thing. Uh, yeah, brother. I, know. I filled it up. Now, so I make up for today. it. My, my wife yeah. has one of those electric hybrid cars, the, the Hyundai Ionic. That thing gets like 55 miles a gallon. Nice. And is very nice. And then I have my, my Suzuki DRZ400. And I just ride that. And so I only use the Ram most of the time. There we go. Less than all the time, right? <laughs> but not all the time, brother. I don't know. I, I will you tell know, you, though, uh, getting gas for my daughter today, I will just say this, you know, at 380 a gallon or whatever. And, I, and every time she says, I know, Dad, I know, this is Biden. I said, just wait till what Inslee did to us. Then you'll have to pay even more. I said, your dad is putting $65 for a tank of gas that you'll run out of in less than a week. You know, I go, how much, and I, I go, you know how many hours you have to work to uh, pay for this, honey? She's like, at least eight. I go, that's right, probably more taxes. Think about that every time you fill up. <sighs> you know, I feel like an old man. <laughs> it's happened. You've become your parents. Uh, no. You know, but there's, there's, there's so much good going on in the world, brother. I just can't find any right now. I know it's out there, though. I'm kidding. No, I like, I, I love the springtime. You know, um, I grew up in the Spokane area and Spokane is known as the Lilac city and it's, uh, is it Lilac always, or Lilac? whatever I just said. Okay. Um, don't get me, don't get me talking. My <laughs> kids say, dad, it's not hundred. It's not hundred. It's hundred, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. I guess I have Spokane accent. Um, but there's a bunch of Lilac bushes behind my office. And so every now and then I'll go take a walk and I smell those. And so that's good. You know, the Lord created a good scent and, uh, and I like it. I get one whiff before my nose pop plugs up because I apparently I'm allergic to them. But oh, hey, you know, at least I got yeah, a good. I will whiff. say this, uh, and I, lo- I know where you're going as far as the transition goes, but I love lilac bushes. I always have. Growing up in eastern Washington myself, we used to have these huge lilac bushes. Of course, the lilac festival in Spokane, but they're beautiful. I really do. I like them. They're, yeah. You know, there's a other one that looks like them, the wisteria, but it's not the same. The lilac not a, not good. a better smelling flower out there. Not even a rose. And I like, ro- I got some rose bushes and I like them and they smell great. But just there's something about the the lilac that is uh, just spring. It's just spring to me. So it's kind of nice. Um, uh, how's, how's everything going over there, Marty? Are you, uh, 
Are you okay after the Cinco de Mayo and the day of prayer and all that stuff? It's a busy week. It's a busy week. And it's funny. I I don't think it's fair to put the um, having fun with your neighbors and having uh, margaritas on the, on the Cinco de Mayo and then having the prayer morning the next morning. Honestly, that's not should have been the other way around. I'm just saying, <laughs> pray for no us, one then... <laughs> made you drink the margaritas, brother. <laughs> margaritas so, uh, and Mexican beer. You know, right? it's like I said. I, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I got my first shot last week, and uh, I'm I'm waiting to get my second shot here coming up, and uh, I chose tequila. There we go. So, um, there we go. <laughs> but I'm, you know, people say, "Are you vaccinated?" Well, I got I, I got my shot. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know what? We're going to talk about that issue as well. We've we've been beating this drum for weeks, but it's getting more and more prevalent now. Um, and before we go to our special guest, on this note, and we'll have him comment too, but this idea that Governor Inslee said that businesses will have vaccinated sessions, sections and then non-vaccinated sections. Not or just businesses, brother. Churches. <laughs> churches. It's, we're back to Jim Crow. I, I, Jim, Jim Walsh put out a nice video on Facebook a couple of days ago, and he was talking about, you were back to the age of Jim Crow. We'll have separate entrances, the vaccinated entrance, the non-vaccinated. You know, the pressure to get the vaccine is enormous. And Tucker Carlson this week was saying that from the CDC's own website, they've had more deaths associated with the the coronavirus vaccine injections than all the deaths from all vaccines for over 20 years, since 1997. I mean, that's and some doctors are coming out and saying this is a major uh, 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 that, uh, mass vaccination tr- uh, uh, emergency. Uh, back when they had the experimental um, uh, swine flu virus, SARS virus mm-hmm. uh, vaccination, 53 people died and the government halted the program. Too dangerous. So we've well, had they, over yeah, 3,000. Johnson and Johnson because of a blood clot issue. And then they go, oh, it's, not, it's just, it's only a few hunt. It's a few people. That's all. No big deal. And yet we, we make this whole pandemic shutting down businesses over what we would talk about a small not minority. Hold, hold on a second. Don't they always say when it comes to gun control, if it saves one life, one person, right? just one life, <laughs> you know, it's we, we, we can just gut the second amendment for one life, but now, but now we can lose thousands, hundreds or thousands of lives. And, Oh, it's just a few people. It's just, a, it's just those guys over there. You know, I, you know, I, I don't even know if those guys got their shots. I doubt it. They probably, they say they did, but who knows what was in the needle. It could have been a placebo water or whatever, but could have been before heroin. we go too far, probably let's bring in our special guest because let's I know he that. wants to jump in as well. And it was funny is uh, a friend of ours. He's and I just want to, I just want to make a disclaimer What's really that? fast. I did not take a tequila shot. <laughs> I'm just making a disclaimer. Like all Marty and Doug talked about last week was they had tequila because it was Cinco. No, I didn't have no. any. I didn't have any. I do not have any. Any tequila I, shot, brother. It was a joke. It was a joke yes. I saw online. So I will say this as we go into our special guest, and I will say we did have Mexican beers. Um, but our neighborhood is the best neighborhood ever. I'm sure Bob has a one. I'm sure you'd have one as well. But they got, they pulled out and they had, you would love this, Doug. They made up 20 pounds of pork, chicken, and carne asada. They had homemade uh, tortillas. The whole neighborhood brought their own like condiments and stuff, right? And they put the chairs around the cul-de-sac. And no, we were not social distancing. And we just enjoyed the neighborhood. I mean, what a refreshing thing. There must've been 40 people there. It was cool. Kids playing football in the street. It was fantastic. It was almost like- America? Uh, America, right? Freedom. Almost like America as you celebrated the independence of Mexico. Well, yeah, there you go. 
Uh, it is kind of <laughs> ironic there, but um, we're prepping for the summer, right? So Amen. Today's guest, brother, is a, uh, a uh, he's been on our show before. He's Representative Bob McCaslin. He's a friend of ours, a conservative, a Christian. Is he from the former fourth? kindergarten teacher, which is very appropriate for where he's at. Um, yes. But it's funny is, is you always have to remember which which district do they represent, right? So the first thing I did, Bob, when you welcome to your show was look up, well, okay, it's the fourth district. Great. Over there in Spokane area, Spokane Valley. But under your title, under Bob McCaslin Jr. says former. Washington State rep. Well, that's uh, just that's, that's what I didn't know about. You're still serving, right? <laughs> I am. <laughs> uh, other than people thinking that I'm Senator Bob McCaslin because my dad served in the Senate uh, for 31 years. Uh, I started this so late. I'll, oh, I may not make it to 10, but uh, it's. Uh, well, thank you for joining us. Uh, obviously, we're, um, it's been way too long talking to you. I know you had a, uh, we we're talking off the air and you were making comments that were, you know, about this last session. Um, I did a, a, it seems to me, program with Tom Reed uh, about all the, just the negative bills that came forward and all the things that people should be watching out for. And See, that was the thing, the bills. Things that didn't come through, of course. Um, but from your perspective, you were saying it was really bad. Talk about that. Well, I, you know, I, I think the, unfortunately, the Democrats seem to have a game plan every time that makes a huge presumption that government will do a better job at, at um, you take any part of our economy. Um, at, they, they can do it much better than the private sector can. And time and time again, that it's, it, that's proven wrong. I, I know that doesn't surprise you guys, but that's, that's the, was the big theme, I think, for, from this last uh, session was that the, the Democrats were assuming that government should be doing all of these things that I don't think they were ever designed to do. And if you read the Constitution, our state Constitution, uh, it, it, it in so many words prohibits, you know, the state government getting involved in places where it doesn't belong. And, uh, and the more we, you know, give up part of our paychecks and the money that we earn uh, to go toward this the state doing all of these things, uh, the worst things are going to get as a result. And, uh, you know, I've, I've only been doing this seven years, but every time, you know, I'll, I'll hear, I'll hear testimony on a bill in a committee or on the house floor. And it's, it's all roses and wonderful things. And this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And we're going to wind up, so much better than we were before and and history tells us time and time again that things get worse mm -hmm. rather than better and so i i would call that the main theme of this of this uh session because we we have and i can i didn't count how many pages but if you look at this this is seven eighths full and most of it is uh, votes on bills in committee and on the House floor. And 
I mean, it's just awful. Matt, for those yes. that can't, obviously can't see, it's about a couple hundred pages of a notebook as well. So, Bob, just a quick question for you, too. This is, this is interesting. We've always known that um, the, the left believe that government is the answer to all of our questions. Mm -hmm. And we believe that the, the individual rights and people are the answer. The individual, like small business, that uh, innovation, freedom, um, the free market will actually create the, solve the problems. You have to get out of the way as government. Smaller government's more effective. Now, our current congressman over here in the 6th, Derek Kilmer, when he was in the Senate, you know, verbally said at a campaign trail, he said that I don't trust the people to make the right decision. It's the big government idea. And then we see at the federal mm -hmm. level, and I know that at the, at the state level, they were saying it as well, but um, President Biden said that basically they want to cover pre-K and college from birth until basically 20 yeah. years old or 24 years old, the government's yeah. going to take care of you. And they've been pushing that type of agenda at the state level and the county levels as well. That's scary from an individual rights person, from a parent, parental rights. What do you see? Yeah. Do you see that going on a lot in the Senate, in the House? Oh, the, yeah, tremendous amount. And when when it's it, it's like <laughs> government doesn't already have enough things to do. Um, you know, when you looked at what happened to the the online theft of ESD this last um, this last year, it's and I remember being on a conference uh, Zoom meeting with uh, all the members of the of the House and and the Senate being there, and the person there. What's six hundred million dollars was 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 hacked away from our state, and the the woman heading this whole thing up was was just saying, "Oh, everything's fine. You know, we've we've recovered. You know, two hundred million, and okay, well, that's not even half of what was stolen, and it's." It, it, it's, it's like hundreds, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars is not that much. It's just a few bucks. So well, you know, yeah. In comparison to how much money is in the budget, it's, it's not a lot, but when you think of how much money your average citizen makes, yeah. you know, here in the middle class, because this, all of these things are targeting the middle class because that's where the most money is, mm -hmm. you know, targeting the rich, you know, people who make, 250,000 or more per year, like you, Marty. No, I'm kidding. Yes, right. um, it's, it's, by faith, he's- My parents were in real estate. I know how wealthy they got from that. No, the, you just, you just, it's, it's the widest, it's not the deepest lake, but it's the widest lake. And as a result, that's where you can get most of your money. And, and that's where they have through- uh, labor and industries, all, all these, and we'll talk a little bit about labor industries later, I think, but. Well, we refer to them as the Gestapo here, but uh, carry on. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll just give you an example. We have a local coffee shop here in Spokane and who decided that he, his customers were wanting to have a place to come and sit down. And so he put up a sign basically, that said, okay, um, you are welcome to wear a mask when you come in. If you don't wear a mask, HIPAA laws prohibit us 
from asking why you're not wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. But just know if you have any concerns, all of our employees will be behind the plexiglass screen, friendly as all get out and helping you with whatever you need. And welcome to our wonderful business. Um, they've been fined $100,000 by, by uh, L&I and Senator Patton and my newly minted representative Chase, who's just been wonderful to work with. All the three of us got on a Zoom call like we are on right now and and talked to the main public face of L&I. And she just couldn't really answer our question. Well, you know, th this is how we operate and we, we do this and we're just trying to keep people safe. And and so I asked, do you have evidence of people of COVID spreading starting in that business? No, we, we don't, but, but that's bound to happen. Well, um, and, and I just kind of added in, uh, do you know that officers from the Fish and Wildlife Department of Washington State meet in that, in, in that coffee place at least once a week? Are you gonna go after them next and find them too? And it was wonderful to see her stutter and, uh, 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 well, uh, because, you know, there aren't any common sense answers right. to a government agency coming in who, by the way, builds its, its, its whole budget for the year or biennial budget based on fining businesses. Wow. Wow, it's like you know, a quota for a certain number of like it, people talk about uh, police departments or state patrol. Well, heaven forbid they should have to cut staff for anything, right? you know. So, well, anyway, what the hell insidious that is, uh, Representative McCaslin, uh, and uh, that it's going to spread because it's, here's someone who's like, okay, based on what? Nothing. So, we're going to spine them for their own safety. It's like, look, um, Doug's going to commit a crime, so I'm going to arrest him for his own safety so he doesn't commit the crime. He doesn't spread COVID, he doesn't whatever. It, it makes no sense. Like you said, like, well, hold yeah. on now, there is no- no due, no due process, right? No due process. No, well, it's, it's like the Minority Report, the old movie. They're yeah. arresting them before they commit any kind of crime, right? It makes no sense. And to your point, HIPAA laws, that was brilliant on the business side. And many of these people have to stand up and fight and we have to support them. But the, many yeah. of these rulings make no common sense or even scientific sense. Well, and this is uh, all based correct. on uh, the emergency mandate, which, you know, uh, over a year ago was what, three weeks to flatten the curve, right? To say, you know, we, bu we built a huge hospital at uh, CenturyLink Field in Seattle. Uh, no one ever used it. They quietly tore it down and moved it away. That was a year Easy. ago. And, you know, because we were going to be yeah. so overwhelmed with all these cases of, of COVID-19, yeah. The death, the death rate has, you know, it's like uh, less than seven a week statewide. So where is the danger? Why, why, why is the, why yes. are we allowing the governor to exercise extreme power like this uh, when there's no real emergency? Yeah. Well, and the, the problem with the governor having this ability is originally what's, what's in our state constitution as far as the state of emergency goes, assumes that the governor will use number one common sense and won't act like a tyrant. 
and won't presume things. And, you know, those three things right there are just a huge reason why a lot of businesses have gone out of business because the governor, he, he, he doesn't even have all of the information he needs to have to make intelligent decisions on the COVID cases that, we've, that we have had in the state. We don't have uh, any information on people who had pre-existing conditions. We don't have any information on uh, acquired immunity. And I mean, you know, without those two things, you know, our, our county and state health districts are just going wild, you know, with because they've never enjoyed this much power either. So, um, yeah, but, up until this pandemic, when you, when did you ever hear of a health department shutting down towns or communities or saying you can't go out or wear a mask? It was like uh, labeled to like a septic district or something like that. Yeah. And now you have this authority saying, no, we're going to say, we're going to mandate. You don't know. We don't know these things. And we've talked many yeah. times on the show about is time for courage it really is. We're not, you know, mm -hmm. is the opposite of fear. And right now yeah. we have fear being um, propagated through the media, fear from the national level at the state level. And under the guise of fear, they're passing all kinds of legislation that puts more burdens on the people, more fear on the people. And, and the, I think the long-term effect of this is really scary. When you think about the suicides and the stress and the PTSD and the kids and emotional strain, um, they're already coming out with reports now, people being isolated. We don't do well isolated from one another. Solitary uh, confinement is a uh, punishment, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And so yeah. I, I, I saw on National Day of Prayer, our good friend Rick Green posted something. It was Abraham Lincoln's Prayer, 1863. But... Just a portion of it that he said, this is Rick Green saying this. It says, over the last year, our nation and the world has experienced pain and death from COVID and even more pain, separation, isolation, death, and loss of liberty to unprecedented overreaction of government trying to play God and failing to be good servants of the people. It says, we now find our nation gripped by fear, easily led into bondage by our worship of false gods of government and pseudoscience. Professing ourselves to be wise, we have become the fools warned about in Romans 122. We always talk about, look, it's the church. It's the people like yourself that have been called, that are serving, that have to ring the bell and say, no, no, it's time to be courageous. We can be smart, but we don't have to be fearful. We, when, we, when we're in fear, we Amen. make mistakes, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, yeah, this, is, this has been, I, I think, uh, I have a history degree from WSU, and I, I think I've used that degree more this year than I ever have since I graduated from WSU, because other than teaching social studies in some of my elementary school classes that I taught in, uh, I just didn't have as much ability you know, to use history. And so uh, quite a few people have contacted me, uh, constituents and not constituents, interestingly enough, um, and asking me, you know, what do we do? Well, first of all, you know, if you think government is going to get us out of the situation we're in right now, you're wrong. Uh, history doesn't support that at all. In fact, there's, there's just, I, I could name 10, you know, events, you know, from, from prior history in our country 
that have proven that absolutely. And so I think, and I'll and I'll give you an example just from the Fair Start Act, which was Senate Bill uh, 5237, and this was the let's uh, let's put 1.8 billion dollars over a two-year period into the Department of Children, Youth, and Families, and um, so and and we're just going to come up with more child cares. We're going to, uh, which I think is a huge presumption because all that agency has done is driven child cares out of business. So I just basically said, well, and this is part of my floor speech uh, on this was, so what's lacking from this bill? Well, number one, power and choice for parents or the child cares when it comes to what they're gonna offer. Number two, uh, decent ability for child cares to thrive as a business. They have you know, put over 3000 child cares out of business in our state. Um, so, and the other thing is very few, if none new child cares have been created in our state. I know of one in Spokane. Um, but none down in Joe Schmixit district, down in the ninth district. Uh, prices are not going down long term for childcare for parents. And, uh, and I, I talked about this, Bob, before. So, I say this on a previous show. And you, when you look historically, and just a few years ago, I mean, we're talking 20, 25 years ago, there were lots of childcare. Yeah. But the more regulation put on child cares drove the cost up, which means both parents mm-hmm. had to work to pay yeah. for the child care. And the more of them that went out of business, the more government said, hey, we have to step in and fill the, fill the void because they've created the problem through regulation and, and cost burdens. And so now you have very few privately run child cares, Absolutely. you know, and you're like, well, but the problem is, is you've ran them out of business, not giving them an opportunity. Yeah. So I want to touch on this, and I don't want to get you in trouble. I, I really don't want to get you in trouble, but I want to bring this up. It's a national sure. story, and it ties into the state. First of all, last year, mm-hmm. the, the last session, the big fight was against comprehensive sex education, and we lost yeah. the fight, lost it twice yeah. through, the, through the referendum or initiative process, and then um, through their initial process. So I know that's implemented. We still want to pray and fight against that. But yeah. And and I will say this, this reminded me of another time where I'm going to mention a congressman now in the Senate, uh, was he told me uh, in front of the audience that he has the teacher's union on speed dial, but he talks to him every day. This is when he was in the, the Washington State Senate. Then you yeah. have this story that came out nationally where the CDC was taking direction from the National Teachers Union and actually their talking points and guidance for schools came directly from the teacher's union. And so yeah. I know you're a former teacher and you're uh-huh. a state rep, so I'm not going to say badmouth them, but that's a lot of power. And, you know, when you think about what the it stories is. we hear across the state about many of the teachers threatening to strike teacher's union, you know, if we go back to school. Yeah. So our kids are suffering, not just because of science, but because of a, a political power. And what do you th- yeah. any, any thoughts on that fight for getting choice for our parents, getting some... some that seems like it's too much. Well, the, the thing that uh, I think scared our local school districts here in Spokane um, were parents 
uh, calling the school, um, showing up at the school and saying, listen, if, if you can't get your act together and you can't offer more than just my child looking at a computer screen uh, four to five days a week and, and not offering any personal help for my child, hey, we're gone. You know, well, and it's real easy here in Spokane Valley or Liberty Lake or, you know, any of the small areas around here for people just moved to Idaho. And uh, and those schools are doing great. They were actually back back in. And so one of the things that that uh, one of the superintendents here asked me to do was, listen, he, he called me up on the phone and said, listen, Bob, we need. Uh, a three foot rule, not a 10 foot rule, not a six foot rule. We can have everybody back in our classrooms if we have a three foot rule. And so the, the next, uh, oh, it was a, just kind of a general education bill uh, that came through the education committee I'm on. And I, so I put an amendment on it that said, let's institute the three foot rule so that we make sure that Schools are still getting their state funding, still getting their federal funding. And so we can do that, you know, just so that they can. Okay. Common sense. Okay. So, so what was really interesting. Kids are not at risk, right? Kids are not at risk. Yeah. So it was totally, uh, all the Democrats on the committee voted no on it. And the next week, uh, our governor instituted the three foot rule. (laughs) Which, which I, I hope I had some some in, influence there because I there, there I do know some Democrats that really wanted that. There were a few, but they were being told, "Don't you dare testify. We'll take your committee away from you. We'll um, won't give you." This is interesting. You have certain the, things. So, district superintendent, actually, the school educators wanting this. Yeah. You yeah, run with it, and then the mm-hmm. other party is saying, "No, no, 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 no." So, whether someone talked to Angela or not, I'm glad it happened. You know, it's a common sense uh, sort of compromise to get our yeah. kids back in the school. Yeah. It, well, it was- and I talked to uh, Inslee's. I, I had to leave a message because he didn't answer, didn't actually answer his cell phone. But I left a message and, and just said, "Would you please tell the governor thank you so much for instituting my amendment from that bill," <laughs> and. So there we, go. Okay. we can't, you know, I, I, I think there's from Republicans. That's just not good here in Washington state. Um, you, you mentioned before we went on the air that there was a few other things that you had some concerns about and uh, yeah. some of these uh, like fresh start, for example. Was well, that- the, yeah, the, that, that was the fair, the fair start. Fair start. And, and uh, another one was Senate bill 5096, which was the capital gains tax. Mm-hmm. And, capital gains tax, uh, you've never heard so many Republicans, both in the Senate and the House, use the words unconstitutional when it comes to that, because it's plainly unconstitutional. That thing's going to be signed by the governor. It's going to go straight to the courts. You know, and... And the courts are always so favorable to the Constitution. Oh, yes, they'll obviously say, okay, Right, right. Well, we'll so, make sure that doesn't happen. Not to the get thing, in the weeds, but Bob, yeah. keep on talking about this. But one of the things the Democrats did at the very last moment before passing it on to the governor 
was add in verbiage about necessary for the budget or something like that. What does that yeah. do? Is that like the whole um, poison pill in the uh, Obamacare thing where the tax? It, it, it is. Um, and and it, it basically, it's, it's the same reasoning that gave the governor all of these emergency powers and proclamation uh, powers is, is that, well, if, you know, if people are going to live in our state, I mean, that was basically what's being said. So the governor needs to be able to do all of these things. And then this tax was labeled as needed, uh, you know, for those very reasons that, that you just said, Marty. And uh, it's, it's ridiculous. We, we spent, gosh, a good six hours on the House floor, the virtual House floor, arguing about this. And, and again, I, one of my speeches, you know, about this was, are we going to learn from history or are we going to be doomed to repeat it over and over again? Because every single time any kind of income tax has been put before the voters large, they voted it down. And I made that a big point of that um, on the House floor. And so then uh, Pat Sullivan stood up. He said, well, you know, you're one to talk. You know, the good gentleman from the 4th District is one to talk because he said people are going to move to Idaho. They're not going to move to Idaho. There's an income tax over there, blah, 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 like this. And so, I mean, the next speaker was going to be our final speaker. So I didn't get to rebut it. But you know, it's funny that all of these businesses have already gone over to Post Falls and Coeur d'Alene from where we live in Spokane. And so we already have proof of that. And yet, you know, just because, oh, you know, we want everything to be rosy and everything to be, you know, perfect just the way we want it. And yet history will never support them in that because We've tried that before, and it's always been a complete failure, whether it's been in our country or another country. Last time I heard a lie is still a lie, no matter how sweet it smells, right? And this is one of those things Absolutely. where this is in untruths being spoken as if, oh, yeah, it's going to be fine. It's never been fine, and this is a tax. It's going to affect all of us. It is a income tax. The fact that they are trying to sell it like it's necessary. And I, I, another thing I heard, let me know if this is true that by doing it this way, it's not subject to a referendum, which means it's not on the ballot. We have to challenge it in the courts or do an initiative. Is that yeah. correct? Well, that some people are saying that. Okay. I, I, I think we're still gonna need to challenge it up front uh, before it makes it to the courts to just to remind it, hey, you know, you can use different language, but um, you know, if you take the term steal, and, and I use the word borrow when I reach into your back pocket, Doug, and take your wallet out. Um, it doesn't matter if I say it's borrowing. It's, it's stealing because I didn't get your permission. And, you know, although I, I, I think. Well, there's more money. Are, there's more are, money in Marty's back pocket, but that's, you know, that's true. <laughs> um, so, so basically, um, this is an income tax and uh, it's very concerning. Yeah. And, um, you know, our, our recourse is uh, um, you're, you're saying that our recourse is not necessarily limited that we, we may have some other ones. So that's good. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm straight Marty out and that's a good thing. 
I, I tend to be a, a, a hopeful person. And, uh, and I would ask everybody out there um, to be praying um, about that too, because uh, there's, you know, there, there were some, there were some good things that happened in the session too, but I, I, well, I let's, let's, never... let's hold the good things and we'll end the program with those because we there want, we, okay. you know, we want to, we don't want to leave people in this. Oh, it's doom and gloom. Well, yeah. How about, how about uh, gas prices? Now gas prices are already uh, skyrocketing um, yeah. 20, 30% over what they were with the, uh, the, the actual true president uh, when he was in the white house. Um LCFS, low carbon fuel standards. Is that a, is that a problem? Yeah. Brother? <laughs> oh, it, yeah, it, that's going to drive, you know, prices up too. Um, the whole, I'm on the transportation committee. The, the whole, you know, we had a bill on, on a low carbon fuel, fuel standard. We also had a, uh, Actually, this was sponsored by a Republican in the Senate, which is kind of disturbing. Um, hydrogen fuel cell cars. And, you know, I made the point, and, and there's a lot of Republicans that like this idea. So I, you know, I want to be careful here, but so I, I get I get Motor Trend magazine every month. And so they're talking about the one fuel cell car that's actually being sold. And it's it's called the Toyota Mirai. And it's it's uh, sixty five thousand dollars with really no options, and there's really no place. There isn't any kind of a system to be able to, you know, fuel it up. Fuel it up, and the bill basically wanted to give them a big tax break. Anybody who buys one of these cars can get a big tax break. Um, they've been a failure in California where Hondas were being leased, you couldn't actually buy a fuel cell car down there, but you could actually, you know, lease a Honda. And, you know, we spend so much money in those areas. The, the bright spot in the, you know, on that committee, as far as transportation goes, is I had a bill and it's House Bill 1137. And it was a road maintenance and preservation bill. We're 4,000 miles behind in our state in preserving and paving our roads so they'll, so they'll be safe. And uh, finally, after two years, uh, finally passed all the way through. Uh, there were no vote. There, there were all yes votes in the Senate. Uh, between eight and 10, no votes in the, in the House. But it passed and the governor signed it, which was a huge thing. I, I think it's going to it's, 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 it's not a glamorous bill. It's, and the only way it made out of the, the uh, transportation committee was the, the road workers union showed up and said that was their number one priority, road maintenance and preservation. And uh, lo and behold, I got a call from uh, Marcus Riccelli, who's right next door in the third district. And, and he said, hey, I want to help you get your bill out of the committee and much appreciated Marcus uh we got it out of the committee and and uh it it made it all the way through so that's going to help though should most bills be that way what's needed to be done doesn't have to be yeah. fancy doesn't have to be that splashy 
what needs to be done to that. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Great story of getting the roads actually done. I mean, things you're supposed to be doing. Oh, come on. Roads last forever. You just pave them once and leave them alone. <laughs> and it never rains or snows or anything. If you <laughs> throw your chewing gum over. out the window, that helps, yeah. I hear. Yeah, we just <laughs> repave the road with a Trident. You know, four out of five doctors surveyed. Um, yeah. So uh, this uh, interesting Second Amendment uh, stuff has also come up. So we had, uh, we had, a, we had a whole slew of Second Amendment uh, attacks on the Second Amendment, and one squeaked through, and that was the open carry ban at uh, political events or something like that, or uh, no, uh, yeah. protest events, I guess. Was that what it yeah. is? Alice? Yeah. Well, and, you know, this basically came from uh, a couple of years ago. There was a group that came to the Capitol, um, a fairly decent group, as far as I know. Um, and they were up in in the uh, the chair, what I call the cheering section above the House of Representatives. And one person who actually wasn't a member of their group um, racked the slide on his pump shotgun, and a you know a shell went flying out, and that 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 whole thing because these were all open carry people, um, whether that person, you know, was really a, uh, who actually did that was not part of that group. So it, it's a false premise that they, that they were running this bill. And, and again, uh, just preying on people's fears that somehow somebody who's open carrying a firearm is going to be more dangerous than somebody who's concealed carry or is is not carrying a weapon. And every study they've done on this, actually, that when you when you look at the crime rate and actually violent acts, where whenever there's a concealed carry or open carry allowed in a, in a state or a county, um, bad crime goes down, way down. And the reason why is, you know, the the criminals who are going to get guns no matter what, because they're not going to follow the law. And that's the part that keeps being uh, forgotten or just pushed off to the side by the Democrats. You know, the reality is that if we have that, people are going to be safer. And yes, we have the rare incident where somebody doesn't stay current with going to the shooting range and 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 practicing the things that they should be practicing i i i take a, a class at minimum every other year just to make sure that i still have all of those things in mind and because you know carrying a firearm is is not something to be taken lightly and uh, right? yeah, yeah you, you you need to be responsible but when if people know that there are are people who are allowed to carry firearms, those criminals are not going to be as apt to break into somebody's house. They're not as apt to try to attack somebody on the street. Um, and and a lot of these crimes are are drug related to begin with, mm -hmm. you know. And so we do a terrible job 
in so our if state. We, maybe uh, if we made drugs in illegal, that area, maybe when it of, comes to drug addiction. Yeah, so. maybe instead of in, instead of banning firearms, maybe we should ban drugs. That worked really well. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, we're we're, Just we're decriminalizing idea. it. That's for sure. That's right. Well, it, but the problem is we're not we're, we're not decriminalizing it to the point where they don't have to do crime to support their habit. <laughs> so. Know? Bob mentioned yeah. something too. I mean, a couple of years ago, the former lieutenant governor banned guns in the gallery, right? Open carry and concealed mm-hmm. carry. And because, you know, then he didn't show up to the joint session where the House and Senate, because those House members maybe concealed carrying their guns and then they wouldn't want to be there. It's scary. Your point, yeah. really, it's about education. From an education background, sure. I grew up where everybody took firearm safety. I mean, it was, it was yeah. part of a rite of passage. I mean, if kids know about it, they're aware of it, you're not going to have these problems. You're going to have, oh, yeah, it's a firearm. It's a tool yeah. you have to be respectful for. Never point it at somebody. Agreed. Keep it pointed away. It's, it's these ideas um, that we should be promoting more understanding of it than um, being fearful of it. Yeah. Um, what, yeah the theme Absolutely. of our show today, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Over, overcoming overcoming fear. Um Anything else on the session that was a concern and then we should turn it to all the happy things? Well, I, <laughs> I think uh, it's really there's, there were, um, there were, there were a lot of, of what you would call small bills. The, the, I love bills that are a page or two long at anybody in their, brother or sister could understand. And uh, one, one of those bills was actually, uh, uh, I co-signed with uh, Representative Steve Berquist. He's a teacher from Renton. And we're, we're fairly good friends. We've worked on, uh, on bills that actually help teachers as far as their evaluations go, that, that once somebody gets a great out evaluation, they wouldn't have to spend as much time on the evaluation. The evaluation is 50 hours a year that, that you could put into mentoring, you know, a beginning teacher. You could put it into uh, designing something different in your classroom. I mean, common sense things. And uh, so that passed a couple years ago. And this one, we have a test that has been shown you know, the teachers have to, teacher candidates have to pass that the score that somebody gets on that test has shown does not say anything about how good of a teacher they are because a good teacher, it comes from the heart. It comes for really caring for your students and, and working hard to, you know, it's, it's a work ethic thing. It's, it's, it's having a good heart. It's having the best intentions for your students. And, you know, when you have those three things put together, students do well in classrooms. They really do because those kids are human. They, they know if their teachers care about them. They know if they want the best for them and that they're willing to help them get where they need to go. And if their goals are, clear and the teaching is clear then good things happen in classrooms and so this bill basically (laughs) took that test away and uh and so now 
we're back to making sure that that through the evaluation process, teachers are doing what they're supposed to be doing. That, that you know, kids aren't being left in the dust if they're struggling in a subject matter or more than one subject matter. So, and I can tell you that is really difficult to do online. Yeah, I bet. Really different. Yeah. And th- there's a couple of child cares in here in Spokane County that have renamed themselves to family centers and they invite any kid who's in K-12 to come and they'll help them with the online classroom stuff. My daughter needs help with statistics. So it's a long drive to go to Spokane, but uh, <laughs> it's hard yeah. to learn math in general online. You know, yeah. it's much easier in person on the book or whatever it may be. So I, I fully yeah. get it. A couple of things you said though, if right, it's clear, the objectives are clear. And if the teaching's there, that's tough with so many sort of state and federal mandates on what you can and can't do yeah. in class, it's not clear in most cases. And then of course, then you yeah. add the extra element of being online. It's gotta be really hard for teachers, but I know it's really hard for students, you know? Well, and so, yeah. And, and what's really been the uh, unintended blessing uh, from this, this school year of 2021 is that the sex ed curriculum has really not been pursued because uh, teachers are a little bit scared of parents watching and hearing some of, of that stuff. And I'm, I'm very proud that I offered five amendments on that bill. And uh, the one that I thought really made the most sense was, and actual school districts were asking for this, that it would be an opt-in program instead of an opt-out program. That made the most sense. And the funniest one was uh, we shouldn't be teaching multiple sexes because the people who are pushing that type of curriculum they can't even agree about how many sexes there are. So why would you do that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, it, that's tough, right? Uh, yeah. the, the idea of that right there, that statement right there kind of resonates for a second here. The teachers are kind of afraid that parents might hear talking about this curriculum. They know it's bad. Mm-hmm. First of all, yeah. there shouldn't be anything taught in our classrooms that the parents would be afraid to listen to. The teachers should be afraid that parents hear. Yeah. You know, that's one thing that's like, okay, that should be a big red flag for all of the state and their educators as well. Like, if you're not, if you're worried, worried that the parents will hear this, you probably shouldn't be teaching it. We should be pushing back the union Absolutely. and back on this bad program for our kids. Yeah. Um, wow. Yes, yeah. indeed. Mm-hmm. We got to pray. We got to pray and obey and we got to stand up and we got to uh, make some noise. Uh, you know, I, one of the problems I, of course, I have is with the election integrity. You know, we've got a lot of election integrity and yeah. it wasn't one of the bills that uh, got passed and put on the uh, governor's desk. One that exempted certain things about the election from public records disclosure. Did yeah. You know? Um, it, it did. And I, I voted no on that bill. The, the, the way we're going to get in election integrity back is with our county auditors. And if our county auditors are doing, if they're, if they're uh, 
there's a there's a bill out there that I'm going to sign on to uh, for this next session. It's a post-election audit bill where uh, every county auditor has to do a very specific, detailed audit of the counting of votes and and which ones they counted and which ones they didn't count and where the extra ones came from. Because I, I think in most counties, there were extra ballots coming in or were already there at, at the county auditor's office. And that explains, I think, a lot about the last election. It's, uh, um, you know, because, and, and, and every auditor should be doing uh, research to clean up the voter rolls too, because so many of them are out of date. There's a lot of registered voters who aren't alive anymore. There's a lot of registered voters that aren't living, let alone in that mm -hmm. county. They're not even living in the state anymore. And, um, and to be able to, I, I had an election observer who volunteered uh, in the last election for me and a uh, wonderful guy. And uh, he sat through a two or three hour education of what happens in the auditor's office. And then when it came to observing the actual election process, he was, he was allowed to get 65 feet away <laughs> behind a plexiglass screen and not ask any questions. And, and don't, and don't wear these and wear these sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh, but that's the problem right there. Yeah, you're, you're right. So it, yeah. it, what are they hiding? I just want to know what auditors. The, well, are what are they hiding? They're hiding something. I, yeah. I, I think, I think there are some auditors that just don't think they have enough time to do all of the things that would actually make our, our county elections and our state elections and our national elections that go through these offices to make them what I would call bulletproof. And, you know, and to make an election bulletproof means transparency. Mm -hmm. I, I think every auditor's office should have um, online cameras. I do too. Yep, twenty-four. And, and and they they should be there and and recording and recording so that you can see when people yeah pull out exactly. cases and stuff yeah. like that like that yeah. So we only got and, a couple couple minutes left in the program, so, so I, I just want to make sure. Did was there anything else really good that you thought, uh, or some some bright bright spots, silver linings, so to speak? I, I think that we our, our caucus in the house, uh, we we used our sense of humor more than we've we've done in the past because boy, things were depressing, honestly. There there were nights when you know I uh, I was at my office and you know things were done and I just it just seemed like the all of the energy was pulled out of me. And so we had, we had a lot of people and I was right there with them uh, giving some humorous uh, testimony within this. And it's, I, I think that's effective because basically it says, okay, you guys are so serious about all of this stuff. You're, you're 
not paying any attention to history. If we've done this before somewhere, you know, in the book of, um, thank you. In Proverbs, there's nothing yeah. new under the sun. Exactly right. Representative yep. Bob McCaslin, our special guest from the fourth mm-hmm. um, represent, uh, district over there, the legislative district. Bob, we just want to, you know, we want to honor you. you and thank you for serving. It's, uh, uh, you know, at least you're in there swinging. Pray for Bob and all the strong Republicans who are fighting the battle on our behalf. That's right. Send them support as well. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, thank and, you. Don't, and uh, yeah, don't give up the fight. Don't give up the shit. We appreciate <laughs> you so much. Well, that's it for uh, today. I guess we'll see you next week. This is Doug Bassler. And Marty McClendon, Doug and Marty versus the world.